through verse number 23 this morning. The Bible said, And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, What meaneth then this bleeding of the sheep in mine ears, and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And he said unto him, Say on. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own eyes, wast thou not made head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey. And said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then didst thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoil, and didst eat on the side of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord has sent me, and brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil, the sheep and oxen, the chief things which should have been utterly destroyed, to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. I'm interested this morning in verse number 22 where Samuel says to King Saul, Hath the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. In this verse, we find this phrase that we're familiar with, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifices. And oftentimes, the last part of that verse is not quoted, but is just as important. And to hearken than the fat of rams. The word better here means more acceptable. The terms sacrifice and fat of rams in verse number 22 are both words and phrases that are connected to worship. Worship that would take place in the tabernacle. We know the word worship means divine worthiness. Webster's Dictionary said chiefly and eminently the act of paying divine honors to the supreme God or the reverence and homage paid to Him in religious exercises consisting in adoration, confession, prayer, singing, thanksgiving, and the like. So we understand what worship is. We would all agree this morning that God demands worship. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. We'd also agree with the fact that God deserves worship. I don't think anybody here uh, would argue with the fact whether or not He deserves our worship. 
worship. I tell you, we praise God for what He does, but we worship God for who He is. Amen? That means if God never did anything else for us again, He would still be worthy of our worship. And so we would agree that God demands worship and that God deserves worship, but we'd also agree that God delights in worship. The Bible said in John 4, For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. That means that God is looking for someone who will worship Him, adore Him, pray to Him, confess to Him, sing to Him. He is looking for that individual. But in our text this morning, we find God denying worship. He said in our text, For to obey is better than sacrifice. I'm not correcting the Bible. I'm not adding to the Bible. What what Samuel is saying is God would rather have your obedience than your worship. I want to preach on this thought this morning. God doesn't want your worship. God doesn't want your worship. See, in this text this morning, we're going to look at it here in just a moment. The reason that God would not receive the worship of Saul is because Saul had been disobedient to the Word of the Lord. And I'm afraid we've got many churchgoers in the day and age we're living in that thinks nothing about the Lord Monday through Saturday. They don't read the Bible. They don't pray. Uh, they don't confess. They don't try to be a witness. Uh, they don't think about the Lord. They don't do anything. But they want to pop in on Sunday morning and put on their worship shoes if they would. And then like everything's okay between them and God. But they haven't walked in truth all week long. Uh, they haven't read the Bible. They haven't prayed. And they want to walk in and expect God to receive their worship. And God don't want that kind of worship. He would rather have our obedience than He would our worship. I want to look at five things in this chapter this morning very quickly. I want us to first of all notice, and we're going to look through this whole chapter quickly, I want us to note the stated demand in verse 1 through 3. God put a demand on King Saul in this text. First of all, we note the sovereign reverence of this demand. Verse 1, Samuel said unto Saul, The Lord has sent me to anoint thee to be uh, king over his people and over Israel. Now therefore, hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. In other words, this command, this demand did not come uh, from the man of God, Samuel himself. It was not an agenda uh, that he was trying to push on himself, uh, but rather he was speaking what thus saith the Lord. By the way, that's what a preacher ought to do. He ought to preach. He ought to speak what thus saith the Lord. You study out that word preach and that word declare in the New Testament. And it comes from a word that means a herald. And what that herald, the king's herald would do, uh, he would get a message from the king and he would go out into the village. He would go out into the city and he would say, thus saith the king. He would speak on behalf of the king. He would not add to the king's message, nor would he take away from the king's message but rather he would deliver the message just as the king had given it. Well, that's our job today as men of God and as preachers. We're not to add to the message. And we're certainly not to take away from the message. But we're to preach. We're to be the herald for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're to preach the Word, be us to end season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. One preacher said they never enjoyed it. They just endured it. There's going to come a time when they're going to get tired of all that preaching and tired of what thus said the Lord. And certainly, that's where we're living at today. This word, this message came from God. 
the sovereign reference of this demand. Reverence of this demand. But then there's the seen representation of this demand. Verse number 2, Thus said the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel. Now we understand the Bible has types and pictures and foreshadows and representations. Amalek in our Bibles is always a type and a picture of the flesh. That old nature. Hey, when we got saved, God did not save this body. He saved my soul. Amen. Oh, but He didn't save my body. And one day, that's why 1 Corinthians 15 is so important. He's going to change of this body and give me a glorified body without sin like unto His body. But until that day, I still live in this flesh. And I still have to deal oh, with my mind and my thoughts and my hands and my eyes and, and my feet. I have to deal with this flesh. Yes, Amalek in our Bible is a type and picture of the flesh. Then we notice that Amalek, the Amalekites, they were the descendants of Esau. According to Genesis 36, Esau, of course, was the firstborn son of Isaac and Rebekah. And he, we preached on that the other week, how he was a sellout. That's what the flesh always does. The flesh will always sell out of the spiritual for the, for the temporal. They'll sell out the eternal for the temporal. We notice the spoken remembrance of this demand. The Lord said, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel. Stay with me. I'm going to get to preaching ground in a minute, but I've got to lay the groundwork to get where we're going. He said, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel. Hey, laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. God says, I remember what Amalek did to Israel when they came out of Egypt. That's all the way back for you Bible students who want to make a note. That's in Exodus 17. And when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, Amalek was laying there. The Bible said in Exodus 17, verse number 7 or 8, I think it's where it's that. Then came Amalek. I'm going to let you know something. When you set out to God, or when you give your heart to the Lord, you better wait. Amalek's going to show up. The flesh is going to rise up. The flesh don't want to read the Bible. The flesh don't want to pray. It doesn't want to honor God in any way. Amalek's going to show up. He talks about the subtlety of Amalek. He laid in wait. That's how the flesh works. It's looking for an opportunity to get you. Looking for a weak moment to pounce and, and get you and try to ruin and destroy your life. There is also the specific requirements in this demand. Verse 3, Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant, suckling, ox, sheep, camel, and ass. Now I know this seems like a harsh command. This seems like a difficult demand, a difficult command that God is making when He says to even destroy the children. Certainly, certainly in no means, no way is God in favor of killing children. But we must understand that Amalekites grow up one day and they become enemies. But I will say this, I believe I see the mercy, of, and, and I know it seems a lot, but I see the mercy of God because those little children didn't grow up to be God-hating Amalekites. God, they didn't come to the age of accountability. I believe it's a little bit of the mercy of God. And I, I, and we don't want to, that's not where our burden is today. Uh, but God is a God of mercy. Amen. And thank God for that. Uh, but He said, I want you, here's the principle, here's the lesson. You ought to take care of sin while it's small. Because the Bible teaches the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's those little things that get us in our life. It's not the great big thing. Hey, we're not, we're not supposed to drink alcohol. It's a little weak. We know we're not supposed to uh, smoke dope and do drugs and put wicked things on. But we know that. But tell you some little things we struggle with. Amen. And the principle here is take care of why it's small. So there is the stated demand in this text. 
But secondly, I want us to note Saul's disobedience. Verses 4 through 11. I want us to see, and I know I'm running quick, but if y'all don't want to be here all day, because I don't want to be here all day, all right? So I'll put the outline on Facebook tonight if you don't get it all. But in this Saul's disobedience, we notice the initial compromise, the, the initial compliance, rather. Verses 4 through 7, look at your Bible. Saul gathered the people together and numbered them and tell them, and 200,000 footmen and 10,000 men of Judah. And Saul came to the city of Amalek and laid wait in the valley. And Saul said to the Kenites, Go, depart, get you down uh, from among the Amalekites, lest I destroy you with them. For you have showed kindness to all the children of Israel when they came up out of Egypt. So the Kenites departed from among the Amalekites. And Saul smote the Amalekites from Havilah until I come to Shur. That is over against Egypt. Oh, Saul, man, he done good for a little while. He done exactly what God told him to do. I mean, he's taking care of the flesh. He's dealing with those things. He's destroying those things. He's got an initial compliance. But that led to an illegal compromise. Verse 8. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive, and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best sheep of the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not destroy, utterly destroy them, but everything that was vile and refused, that they utterly destroyed utterly. Now watch this. Saul had no trouble with killing a three-legged lamb. He had no trouble killing, a, killing a, an oxen that had the mange or had some kind of disease or sickness. We don't have trouble with getting rid of sins that we know are vile. But everything that was good to him, well, I don't see nothing wrong with that. Hello? I, don't, I, know, that, I know God said get rid of that, but I don't see the big deal. I mean, that's the best of the best they have. I know I'm going to get rid of all this bad stuff, but there ain't nothing wrong with that. There ain't nothing wrong with a social drink every once in a while. There ain't nothing wrong with a little pornography. Uh, there ain't nothing wrong with a cigarette every once in a while. There ain't nothing wrong with a little... There ain't nothing wrong uh, with a bad attitude, and on and on we could go. See, we, we take care of those vile things, but some things that we don't think are bad... That God says that's disobedience. We're good about getting rid of the big things, aren't we? But we're slow to get rid of those little things. The Bible said that we are to lay aside every way and the sin which does so easily beset us. So apparently, Brother David, weights and sins are two different things. He said, you lay aside those things that's going to hold you back. You better get rid of that sin that's, that's holding you and hampering you in your life. Saul done good for a little bit. He had initial compliance, but he had an illegal compromise. You know, God will send a man or, or maybe in your Bible reading, you'll see something and God will say, hey, I want you to deal with that in your life. And you'll say, yes, sir, Lord, I'll deal with that. And then you deal with that and the Lord said, now how about this? Well, Lord, that's not as bad as what you dealt with before. Now I got rid of that real bad thing. Oh, but that little thing, that's not that bad of a deal. But it's still disobedience across the board. Illegal compromise, initial compliance. But then look on in our text, the incredible cost. Verse 10 and 11. Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. The word of God, the Lord, 
sent a message to the man of God. We understand that God does not speak through an audible voice anymore. Can I get an amen out of that? But we know there was not a completed Bible at that time. So God spake through visions. And God spake audibly uh, to His men. And God spoke to Samuel and said, Saul has not obeyed me. He said, I've rejected him from being king. And don't tell me Samuel didn't love Saul because he cried all night long. That's the heart of a pastor. He sees somebody going the wrong direction, ruining their lives. He cried all night long. This leads to not only the stated demand, Saul's disobedience, but also I want us to note, number three, Samuel's discernment. Verse 12. Notice the deceptive expression. Verse 12. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, Behold, he set up a pl- him up a place and has gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Ain't this just like us? Blessed be thou the Lord. I performed the command of the Lord. I've done what God told me to do. <laughs> you know what? Samuel and Saul met one another. I wrote this. I thought about this this morning, sitting in my office while I was eating my Bojangles biscuit at 6.30 and <laughs> finishing up the notes on this. Saul coming out. I obeyed God. Well, what did he do? That's what you're supposed to do. I mean, you know, it's like you walk in here this morning, so I say right now, I brush my teeth today. Well, good. You want a medal or a chest to pin it on? I mean, you know, that's just something you do. You don't, you don't, you know, I understand if you got a little one and you're trying to teach them to brush their teeth and, and you, they brush their teeth. Oh, good job. I understand that. When you're 35, you still got to be told, hey, good job. You brushed your teeth. You need some help. <laughs> it's just some things you do. Because it's right. Saul comes and says, I have no bad God. So, well, duh, that's what you're supposed to do. But you know what? I like Brother Kenny Baldwin said, oftentimes we want to live for the amen instead of the well done. We want the approval of everybody else around us. But tell at the end of the day, we ought to live to please Him. And glorify Him. And ain't about, I, I appreciate compliments. I think we ought to be kind to one another. The Word of God speaks of that. But at the end of the day, if everybody walks out and says, that's the sorriest preacher I ever heard, wouldn't be unusual for Miss Patty to say that. Uh, but if they went out the door and said all that, at the end of the day, I know that I've obeyed God. That's what I'm supposed to do. Hey, we don't need a pat on the back. We don't need an attaboy. We ought to serve God because He's called us and He's commissioned us and because we love Him. But you know what? We're good at dropping hints, ain't we? Preachers are really bad about it. Hope you enjoyed the message. <laughs> that's uh, dropping a filler, you know, like. I mean, what are the, what are the people going to say? No, I'll tell you right now, that's the sorriest preacher I ever heard. <laughs> Only a preacher's wife would say something like that, amen? I'm just telling you this morning, Saul, I obeyed God. And Saul, Sam was like, well, you're supposed to. <laughs> but he really didn't. His deceptive expression. But then look on in the text. The direct inquiry. Verse 14. Samuel said, What meaneth this then? The bleeding of the sheep in mine ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear. I like this about Samuel. He had courage and he didn't mind confronting Saul. Saul could have cut his head off. And Samuel said, I'm going to tell you right now, you've obeyed God, then what's that? Why do I hear all, all that them livestock back here? Most preachers would have told Saul how good he was. And patted him on his little Baptist head and said, You're God so lucky to have you. God really got something when he saved you. Samuel said, Oh, you obey God? 
Why do I hear some oxen back there? Why do I hear sheep back there? Bad. Sounds like Mary had a little lamb back there. Called the sin out. The defensive excuses. I love this. Verse 15. Samuel said, Oh, they have brought them from the Amalekites. They. For the people spare the best of the sheep and of the oxen to the sacrifice of the Lord thy God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. You know what he done? Started blaming everybody else. When he got disobedient, he started blaming. Well, it's the people's fault. Well, the people did involve, but they followed Saul's lead. The declared exposition, verse 16 through 19. The Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell you, tell thee what the Lord has said to me this night. And Saul so dumb. And he said, Say, oh, God must be happy. He must give you some sweet sermon to tell me how good I am. Well, let's look on at the sermon that Samuel had. It's only three verses. When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? Saul's like, yep, that was me. That was me. <laughs> and the Lord sent me on a journey and said, Go, and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites, and fight against them that they be consumed. Saul said, yep, that's me, all right. Wherefore then does not obey the Lord God, but did fly upon the spoil, and it is evil inside the Lord? Saul said, that wasn't me. <laughs> All that other stuff, all that good stuff, that was me. That bad stuff, that wasn't me. Is that the detestable exp- explanation? Look at verse 20. And Saul said to Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and gone the way the Lord sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the chief things, which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice the Lord thy God in the Gilgal. Saul said, I tried to tell them. But you know what? When you're living for the flesh, you'll blame everybody else. Yes, it was true the people had spared it. But Saul had took part in it as well. Notice, notice the damaging effect, verse 22 and 23. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices and obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken to the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he also hath rejected thee from being king. He likens his actions to rebellion and stubbornness. Rebellion and stubbornness. You know why I found out? Now, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble right here. So I'm going to look at Brother Charles. Brother Charles won't get mad at me. You realize rebellion and stubbornness are something that every age group deals with? Everybody thinks, preach on rebellion, that's them teenagers. No, I've met some rebellious adults. Preach on the young people, preach on stubbornness, that's them old people. Well, I've met some stubborn young people. You know what I found out? Everybody's got a little bit of rebellion. Everybody's got a whole lot of stubbornness in them. Especially the male species. The only one who's more stubborn than a male is a female. Help me, fellas. <laughs> That's right. You know what they say? We are not. <laughs> Exhibit A. Uh, hush. So, Nick, rebellion. What do you like in rebellion as? Witchcraft. I'm talking about like sorcerer's hat, bippity boppity boo, wickedness. Stuff we detest. Stuff I won't watch because it scares me. If you had sense, you wouldn't watch it either. And then stubbornness as as iniquity and idolatry. 
You know what that tells me? When we're stubborn, we worship in ourselves. He said, stubbornness is idolatry. Let's all say, oh, me together. I mean, if we're going to die, let me blow the whistle and let's all die together, all right? I mean, let's have it decent and orderly. When we're rebellious against the Word of God, we're acting like we might as well just be like the wicked. I was preaching up. I would say I had to be careful, but these people that ran that preacher off, they don't go to that church anymore. I was preaching up in Ohio several years ago. And uh, long story short, I won't do this again, but I got a call here one Sunday. I ain't preaching tonight, and, I ain't, and, and so I'm going I'm to finish this message, all right? It's only 11.44. And I, I got here on a Sunday morning about 6.30, and I checked the church answer machine, and it was this, this boy said, I, I've heard Brother Josh preach online, trying to get in touch with him, wanting to book him for a revival at our church. And so I called the fellow back and talked to him, and I said, he said, I'd like to have you for a revival. And I said, well, let me ask you a few questions. I don't know you, and I don't, I don't just preach for anybody. I said, one, how many wives does the pastor have? Living wives. Amen. Amen, because I don't preach for men that's been dumb. How many husbands does his wife have? You know, I mean, you got to ask everything now. You know, what he, what's he born a male? You know, I mean, you got to go through everything now. And I said, and I don't preach anywhere they don't use the King James Bible. I said, because anything I do... It, it, it's gonna, it's gonna come up. I mean, I could be preaching on Mary had a little lamb, and something about the King James Bible is gonna come up. All right, I learned about the King James Bible, and so, oh yeah, 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 we're all that. And I said, brother, how long have you been pastoring there? Oh, I'm not the pastor. I said, huh? He said, no, the pastor had me to call you. I said, okay, uh, that's fine with me. And so I get my little plane ticket. Brother Eric drives to the airport. And, and they wanted to start the meeting on Tuesday night, a Tuesday through Friday revival. Oddest thing I've ever seen in my life. I understand now why. I got up there and preached that first night. Nice people. And I met the pastor for the first time. And he's kind of standoffish from me. And I thought, that's odd. I found out Thursday, after me and the pastor got the fellowshipping, that this boy and his mama ran the church. And they told the pastor they was going to have revival. And they told the pastor they was going to call me. Well, I didn't know that. Well, y'all know who I am. I didn't say anything about it. I got up on Friday night and I preached on this a jungle in here. And I, me and the pastor had great fellowship. And I got to preach on rebellion. And I got to preach on not backing the man. I got man, some people got mad. But it was my last night. I was going home. Well, there was another pastor in that area. I'm staying with me somewhere. There's another pastor in that area. He come and heard me. He said, I want you to come preach a meeting for me in July. So I flew back and preached. Well, that same church come over. Well, I just felt led to deal with it again. And I was preaching on rebellion. I says, and I walked over to the pew where they were sitting. I said, some of y'all are so rebellious that they throw a bucket of water on you would melt. Wizard of Oz reference. They ran that preacher off. But you know what God did? God sent a preacher in there and he ran that crowd off. And they're going on for God. But you see how that rebellion, that witchcraft, talked to a pastor this week. I'm talking about how rebellion gets in the church, how stubbornness gets in the church. People get, people get all messed up. Pastor, I, I preached for a couple years ago. Saw him in a meeting this week. I knew he resigned his church. He said, I felt like I was supposed to leave. I took a stand and get sin. And he said, I, I had to deal with a, with, with a deacon about something. And he said, they just fought me. And so I felt like I used to uh, resign. He says, I told the church uh, I'm going to resign, but I'll stay with you for another month uh, to help you get a pulpit committee together. And he said, I go to my office the next morning to get my check. And they said, we're not paying you anymore. Let's put his family out on the street. Rebellion, sin. But they want to come in on Sunday and worship. God ain't a million miles of that. 
damaging effect. Notice the self, I gotta hurry. Notice the selfish desire, verse 24 through 30. We're almost done with the chapter. Stay with me. Notice the immediate regret, verse 24. And Saul said unto Samuel, For I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Saul hears the indictment, and he immediately has regrets. But watch the instant resuming, verse 25. Now therefore I pray thee, pardon my sin, turn again with me that I may worship the Lord. Do you see that? Okay, Samuel, I'm sorry. Now let's have church. The inspiring resolve, verse 26. Samuel said, I will not return with thee. Saul said, I ain't gonna wor- Samuel said, I ain't going to worship with you, Saul. The imparted rejection, verse 26. For thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord hath rejected thee from being king over Israel. The inward remorse, verse 27. I'm just walking through this. And Samuel, and as Samuel turned about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and it rent. Saul was so remorseful that he got on there and grabbed Saul. Samuel's coat says, please worship with me. I'm sorry. Sam, and he rent that. And there's an illustrated rending. Samuel said, the Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. We know that to be David. Also, the strength of Israel will not allow or repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Notice the ignorant request. Verse 30. Then he said, I have sinned. Get on me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people, before Israel, and turn again with me, that I may worship the Lord thy God. Some people just don't get it. And I've read a lot of verses, ran through a lot of things. Let me tell you what's happening. Saul has disobeyed God. Samuel said, you did wrong. You didn't obey the, the word of the Lord. You're supposed to kill all the Amalekites, Agag, all of them. Samuel says, or Saul says, okay, I'm sorry. Now let's have church. Samuel said, no, we're not doing that. You rejected the word of the Lord. Saul again, I'm sorry. Now let's have church so people won't think bad of me. He said before all the elders of Israel. I, don't, I want to worship. I don't want people to think bad of me, so let's worship. I gave you a lot of R's in that, but you know there's one R that ain't in there? Repentance. Saul did not have any repentance. For if he had repented of the rich, he'd have said, where's the sword and where's Agag? Let's go get him right now. I'm going to tell you, hey, there's a lot of people that they won't deal with their flesh, but they want to come here on Sunday and worship, but they won't take the sword and deal with King Agag. And Samuel said, I am not worshiping with a man that will not obey the word of the Lord. Agag's still alive, and I'm not going to worship till we kill the flesh. Saul said, well, let's just worship. You know what Psalmist said, for thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it, that Allah is not burnt off from the sacrifice of God. Here's what Saul did not have. A broken spirit and a broken and a contrite, O God, thou will not despise. If Saul had truly repented, he'd have said, Samuel, that's right. I didn't obey God. Let's go get Agag and let's kill these animals so I can be right with God so I can worship. But he wasn't interested in really worshiping God. He said before, notice what he said in verse number 30. Look at your Bible. Look at your Bible. Everybody looking at it? Then he said, I have sinned. That's good. Yet honor me now. I pray thee before the elders of my people and before Israel. Samuel, I don't want people to think bad of me. 
So instead of publicly getting up and admit, I personally admitted to you I was wrong, but instead of publicly getting up and saying, you know what I did wrong, we should have killed Agag, we should not have done that, let's get this right. He said, just honor me now. Help me out, Samuel. I like old Samuel. I ain't doing it. In closing, there is the sacred duty. Adrian Rogers said, if you're having trouble with faith, try repentance. Pretty good. Notice four things and we're done. We're going to finish up the chapter. And I'm done. Saul's worship, verse 31. So Samuel turned again after Saul. means he's walking away. Watch what Saul did. Saul worshiped the Lord. I don't care what that preacher says. I don't care what he said. I'm going to do what I feel. He worshiped in the flesh. You realize you can't worship God in the flesh because the Bible says in John 4 that they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. But self-willed, fleshly worship. And that's what we're seeing a lot of now. Jump up and down for Jesus. Bang your head, you know. You know, religious calisthenics, all that kind of stuff. And they've not dealt with the flesh. They've not dealt with sin. It's 11.53. I'll be done by 12. Can I just preach it for a minute? Ain't amazing all these guys that seem to know so much about prayer and know so much about the holiness of God. Their wife runs around in Daisy Duke shorts. And they don't have no standards and they don't have no separation and they don't have no holiness around them. Oh, but they worship the Lord. Um, God would rather have your obedience than your worship. Now, I know that goes against the flow. But if you're not right with Him, you're not going to worship Him. Brother Tony, I'm ashamed to say it, but I've praised the Lord before and had sin in my heart. But I've never worshipped Him and had sin in my heart. Because worship means that Spirit and truth means I'm filled with the Spirit. He's got control of my heart and my mind. And I've confessed everything that I know. I'm right with God. As far as I know, I'm right with God. Because confession is a part of worship. I tell you, that crowd that wants to put on a show on Sunday, it's called showtime religion. They've, they've traded old-time religion for showtime religion. They want to put on a show. Get your popcorn. Join the show. Samuel said, I ain't worshiping with that. Saul's worship, but notice Samuel's weapon. I love this. Verse 32. Then Samuel said, Bring hither to me Agag, the king of Amalekites. And Agag came to him delicately. <laughs> I think that's how he walked in. <laughs> you want to see me? <laughs> he walked in delicately. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, As the sword hath made women childless, so shall thy mother be childless among women. Samuel said, I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. Before we strike up the band, and before we have a worship service, we're going to take this sword, and we're going to cut the flesh up. That's why I have a problem. Y'all with me now? The kids are doing good. Y'all stay with me. I'm almost done. You know what I got a problem with is all these churches that all they do is have glorified concerts every Sunday. And they just sing and sing and sing and praise and praise, and worship, 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 and there ain't no Samuel getting up with the sword cutting down the flesh. And Samuel said, I'll tell you right now, before we worship anything, we're going to take that sword and we're going to cut up King Agag. But the flesh is not being dealt with. The successful work, verse 33, and Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. The sad words, verse 34 and 35, will conclude the chapter. Samuel went up to Ramah. Saul went to his house and Gibeah of Saul. Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. And the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel.
Preacher, I just don't feel like I've worshipped the Lord lately. Have you killed King Agag? Have you been obedient? Behold, to obey is better than the sacrifice and to hearken than the fat around. That word hearken means not just being a hearer, being a doer. We've been emphasizing that in the last few services of doing and obeying what God said. We understand this. I preached in the book of Esther. Agag had a son that eventually produced Haman. It's the same line. He was an Amalekite, an Agite. Same line that eventually would come and persecute the Jews in the book of Esther like we preached on Wednesday nights about the end of the year. And God raised up a descendant of Saul, Mordecai, of the tribe of Benjamin, the son of Kish, and finally said, I'm tired of this Agag ruining my life. And he went to an intercessor and got victory. But here's my point this morning. If I regard iniquity in my heart, what does the Bible say? The Lord will not hear me. If we're regarding sin, if we're protecting it, if we're guarding it, our worship, our song, our testimony, it's not going further than the carpet. It's hard for me to believe there are times, come on, Brother Matthew, I'm done. It's hard to believe there are times when God doesn't want my worship. But you know when those times are? When I have not obeyed the Word of the Lord. The main reason, let's stand, I'm done. The main reason that God rejected Saul, one of the main reasons that God rejected Saul from being king is because he did not obey the Word of the Lord. I want to worship the Lord, don't you? I want, to, I want to honor God, then I better make sure that I'm obeying His Word. He's going to play a verse of invitation. Father, take the message, use it for thy glory. Help us as your people. In Jesus' name. If you need to come pray, these altars are open. You mind the Lord. Have you